The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We are all consumers. We all buy and use stuff, but often we've no idea how that stuff is made or where it comes from. Whether it's the sand from which our silicon chips are made, the cobalt mined by children in the Democratic Republic of Congo for batteries, the ingredients of vital food or medicines, we just assume that it will always be there. But the only new thing entering our planet, with the exception of the odd small comet or asteroid, is sunlight. Is that enough to sustain us? Can the Earth's crust still supply and feed us into the future? Material World is a new book by Sky broadcaster Ed Conway who took a trip around the world discovering the origins of the materials which are essential to products in our everyday lives and Ed Conway joins me now. Ed, good morning. Hi, how are you? It's an absolutely riveting book, I have to say, starting off with you in... Nevada detonating a massive explosion. <laughs> Actually, I was too terrified to detonate it because I just had one of those moments where I went, I'd gone to this gold mine and, it, you know, I was there for something, you know, I'm a TV reporter. I was there to try and kind of turn a metaphor into something I could film. Um, and it was a metaphor actually about Brexit, of all things. But anyway, I saw this mine and I was just completely blown away by the scale of it. Um, and for gold mining, you know, I thought you were kind of going down underground and looking for little seams of gold, you know, those shiny seams of gold and then picking them out with a pickaxe. You know, the reality is these days you are burn, you are kind of tearing down an entire mountain um, with high explosives and with diggers, uh, making enormous holes in it, all to get this metal that in the case of gold, clearly it's, it's, it has some really important functions, some of which are used in electronics. But for the most part, it's kind of ornamental. It's not really mm-hmm. fundamental to keeping us alive for the most part. And it just struck me, well, if that's what happens with gold, what, is it, you know, what are we doing to the earth to try and get all the stuff that does keep us alive? And what is the stuff that's keeping mm-hmm. us alive? And weirdly enough, I just... I found, I'm an economics correspondent, I found strangely there were few answers within economics. And it turns out Because you point out that, you know, Mm. gold has a value because people want it. Now, it does not tarnish. It's uh, uh, one of those metals. And therefore, it keeps itself without uh, losing its mass. it's very beautiful. Yeah, (laughs) that's also true. But in this gold mine, uh, trucks bigger than three-story houses, tires on those trucks as big as double-decker buses. I mean, it's like a dystopian uh, horror story. It is, but I mean, the dystopian, dystopian horror story is part, and this is what makes, what has made this experience of kind of journey around, journeying around what I call the material world so unsettling. That kind of dystopia is part of the story about how we can live our lives these days. We are all implicated in it because when we want stuff, and it might be gold, but it might also just as well be steel, or it might be something electronic that you have, and anything electronic you have will have copper in it. And copper involves even bigger trucks and it involves even bigger explosions, and even bigger holes. Um, and then you've got silicon. And to make silicon, it turns out, involves an extraordinary amount of mining, energy, and all of these different processes. But because we mostly think, because we're developed economies, we mostly think about the end product rather than thinking about how it's made. And because we're mostly outsourcing a lot of that production, mining, to places on the other side of the world... I just don't think we think as much as we used to about it. And I think that's got two implications. I mean, the first is that 
we're not as conscious of the the damage that we're doing i think you know we we you know in theory we are we definitely look at carbon emissions but do we look at the scale of our footprint in these mines i don't think we do and partly actually there's not that's partly because there's not even enough data on it we're not really collecting data on how much of a dent we're making but the second thing and i think this is equally profound is because we don't make as much of this stuff and mine of the, much of this stuff in our in our countries at least, and it all happens out of sight and very few people are working in that world anyway, we're not as acquainted with the, the wonder and the magic of what it takes to turn something simple into something amazing. And it's an extraordinary story and that that is part of what I kind of took away from this is – we're doing we're doing magic every day. It's an alchemy, um, and isn't that amazing? Uh, in the, the the simple things that you touch, whether it's your phone or indeed just just a yeah. kind of piece of chemicals, what's gone into that to get it to you is just amazing. I mean, a simple thing that we're all used to for decades and decades. Pyrex glass. Uh, the ingredient, of course, is sand, um, of which all glass is made. Add a bit of boron, add a bit of lithium, and you've got this wonderful Correct. thing called Pyrex. Yeah, exactly. And it's called, it's called borosilicate glass. And we, it's one of those things that you, you very rarely hear about it. Certainly don't see many news stories about it. Um, and yet this stuff, which goes into Pyrex, but also goes into test tubes and goes into the vials in which you store medicines and vaccines, is one of the unsung heroes of the modern age. And ultimately, it begins, as you say, it begins with sand. We take sand, this simple substance, admittedly a particularly pure type of sand, silica sand, um, and we melt it and we add a few things to it. And then we turn that into something that has changed the world more than many other substances we have ever touched. And as I say, there, there are many of these kind of unsung heroes of the modern age. I mean, salt, no one thinks of salt of be, as being anything other than a condiment these days. But actually, without salt, we don't have most of the chemicals which again, keep us alive and keep us healthy. And there's this wonderful kind of, we are still tracing the old salt routes that our ancestors used to walk because today salt remains the kind of bedrock of the pharmaceutical industry, keeping us alive uh, in the, much the same way that it did for the Romans when they, you know, Used, used it and caught that there was the Roman god of health, which was named after salt. Still the same today. Now, we're not likely to run out of salt. It's in the seas and therefore we could extract it from the seas, maybe at great yeah. energy cost, but it could be yes. done. And certainly uh, in parts of the world where it's very warm, they uh, just use sunlight to evaporate uh, water and therefore uh, collect the salt. But you're wondering about other things that we've been mining and digging out of the earth, whether it's oil or gas or iron or copper mm. or zinc. And we've had a recent zinc crisis here when a mine was closed down mm. uh, temporarily, they say. Yeah, Are we likely to run out of any of these commodities? I mean, I don't think we are, to be honest with you. There's very, very few things where we are actually stand a genuine chance of running out but it does get more difficult and more expensive each year to get hold of a lot of this stuff just because just by its very nature we tend we've got the easiest stuff first so that's the case with oil it's the case with gas and it's just costs more now to get the stuff out of the ground because you're having to go deeper you're having to spend more to get it the size of the holes that we're getting copper out of, for instance, and you know, I went to a few of them, is extraordinary. They are like canyons. They are the biggest, they, they are literally the biggest man-made holes in the world. And just pragmatically, it's, it takes a lot of time to send a truck down to the bottom to, to pick up the ore that you're trying to, to get at the bottom. So it's getting more expensive. And you know, I heard about the zinc mine uh, closure in, in, in Ireland. And it's, what's, what's 
striking about this industry really and this is something that we've experienced obviously in the UK over a long period too is that it can be brutal when the price of a commodity goes down and when suddenly it looks like you don't need as much of it and you never know because it's a roller coaster these things go up and down quite a lot then mines can close because people just look at the price they just look at the price and they look that they can get it from cheaper cheaper from overseas and the problem is that these jobs you know whether in mining or sometimes in engineering and manufacturing a lot of these things that I kind of try and describe in the book a lot of the magic these jobs are good jobs you know they're good pretty well paid high skilled manufacturing or, or or engineering jobs and when they go you have communities that are really that are left behind and there are large swathes of of the UK and Europe which have suffered that because we have shifted so much of our production so much of our resource uh, exploitation overseas partly because it's cheaper mm. partly because we don't like to think about the dirty stuff happening you know close to home but you know that dirty yeah. stuff i mean it comes it it's, comes it's reality it's it right. comes to the surface occasionally in the uk for example the idea of fracking uh, has brought that uh, that 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 process close to home and many people uh, object to it um, the 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 thing you mentioned there about the market and the price and the roller coaster that is one of the issues that it's not about intrinsic value it's about you know of a particular commodity however scarce or difficult it is to extract it's about what the market is prepared to pay for it it is, and that's that. That is that is the reality of life. And um, there, there's there's a kind of paradox here, which is that some of this stuff that we are getting out of the ground, and let's not forget, basically everything that you touch on a daily basis. If it's not grown like a you know mostly wood, then it is mined. We mine everything. Everything that we're touching comes out of the ground. It starts there, and so, but as it gets kind of cheaper. Which, which it is over time for the mo- you know, because we are getting better at getting out of the ground. And that is actually one of the unexpected great productivity stories of the last kind of 50 years or so. We have got so much better at getting this stuff out of the ground because, like you say, those trucks have got enormous and then we can lug even more rocks up um, as much as that might kind of make us, some of us feel quite queasy, including myself. But as, it, as we've got better, it's got cheaper. That hasn't stopped the stuff itself getting any less you know more important it is still really important copper is still incredibly important to our lives so too is zinc for that matter so too is steel without steel we don't have the world around us we can't make anything and yet because other places particularly china are able to do it so much cheaper the temptation over the past kind of 20 30 years has been just to offshore it so you send it off to china you don't make it here and you assume that you will always be able to buy it from overseas for cheaper and that brings us to i guess where we are at the moment which is you've got the us and europe looking at china and thinking well, can we rely on these guys? You know, can we rely on getting cheap steel from them mm. forever? Can we rely on the copper? And the, the worrying thing about the situation we're in right now is we are incredibly reliant on China, more actually, I think, than, than you might appreciate. And you get, you know, I, I was surprised at the, the extent of reliance because it's not just yeah. a few little things. We are more reliant on them, which raises the question, if, you know, if we are making more bellicose noises, if there is, uh, if China does invade Taiwan, for instance, what happens next? Well, the answer is it's going to be a lot more um, 
terrifying economically, to be honest with you, than Russia invading Ukraine, because we are so intertwined. We are, you know, everything you touch, like I say, some part of it has probably come by China. Two things happened. Uh, The war in Ukraine, which uh, showed the dependence of Europe on Russian oil and gas, which uh, means that Europe has now decided to pivot and try to uh, make itself more Uh, self-sustainable. And the second thing was the pandemic, which, and you talk about this, how the supply chains were interrupted. And then suddenly we realize what we don't have. Yeah, I think that's right. And 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 that but but the actually the paradox of the um of what's happened in Ukraine is that part of the implication of that obviously is that we and we're all feeling this, aren't we? We've got much higher energy prices here because we were reliant on, on Russian gas to some extent, uh, or at least on that market. But what what's happened as a result of that is we've talked about making more stuff ourselves. But in practice, a lot of European manufacturing has basically shut down, particularly chemicals manufacturing. And then, and rather than making stuff like fertilizer in Europe, in the UK, you know, we've got a few fertilizer plants. We're not running them anymore um, because we're importing everything from the US. So again, the, the, the question of whether you're making something domestically kind of depends quite a lot on how expensive it is. So much of this, this kind of journey that I went on, I, it, was, it was supposed to... The, the whole book project was supposed to really just mostly be about the materials. But as it went on, I realized, hang on, it's actually so much of this is about energy. It's about energy because we use so much energy, whether it's fossil fuel energy or something else. Mostly, frankly, it is fossil fuels. We're still far more reliant on fossil fuels, whether it's coal or oil and gas. Even us in our, our developed kind of clean world, we are still indirectly so reliant on this stuff just to turn simple substances into products we use, whether it's a semiconductor. And yes, that silicon chip in your phone, it was partly made thanks to coal along the way, or indeed, you know, the obvious stuff like the energy that when you when you kind of turn things on. And like you say, the, the pandemic was another one of those wake up calls, because just because of the kind of the roller coaster nature of it, the economy shutting down and then starting again, suddenly, you just couldn't get enough semiconductors, you couldn't get enough, for instance, of those borosilicate vials I was talking about, things you know, starting up this material world and getting stuff to us turns out to be quite a tricky thing to do. But the amazing thing is it happens. You know, it happens behind the scenes. And because we're not, because it's not happening in our countries a lot of the time, you know, Ireland has kind of quite a lot of um, tech manufacturing. So it's a slightly different story. But because a lot of the kind of stuff further down the supply chain, the actual making of things, the turning of sand into silicon, the turning of kind of, you know, steel uh, into products, because of that, a lot of that happens offshore we're just not quite aware of the realities of what it takes to make stuff both as i say the magic but also the compromises as well ed it's a brilliant book Uh, it obviously covers cobalt being mined by children in uh, drc uh, lithium production in south america which is extraordinary in its uh, scope and scale Uh, but we will leave it there and advise our listeners to buy the book it's uh, just released it's a published by Random House. It's available in hardback, softback, in ebook, and also audio download, uh, priced at uh, just under €20 Euro here. Ed Conway, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.